Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Zaddy, your quick stop for some queer culture. My name's Hannah Bestwick and here as always with the daringly dandy... Daisy Thurston-Gent. Wonderful. Good to see you, Daisy. How daringly you doing? Daringly dandy. Thank yes. you for that. I was trying to think of some alliteration. <laughs> I had, I thought of something earlier. It was like the dastardly daring dandy. It does sound a bit like Dick Dastardly though. Yeah, Which yeah, is maybe that's... a good drag name, I don't know. Dick. Dick Dastardly. Dick. <laughs> um, if you're new to this podcast, this is a, a podcast where Daisy and I, we each research something that is queer, a queer topic, has some queer themes, or is something that we think is con- connected to the queer world in some way. So we research that in secret, away from each other. We don't know what each other we're going to bring to the episode, and then we spend about roughly half an hour telling each other what we've learned that week. And actually, I think Daisy... You're going We're first. We're surprising. Okay, I'm going to go first, yeah. But Hannah, I think we should acknowledge that we're on episode 30. 30 That's as many as it? I am old. Exactly, not long <laughs> after our own 30th. Um, exactly. We'll just pretend I'm 30 again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our brave little podcast. Isn't that so, cute? Yeah, I think this is, a big, this is a big deal. This is a big number. Yeah. Especially, like, considering that it had taken years to get it up and running and actually do an episode. You know, we talk about it, talk about it, and talk about it, yeah. and then finally we do one. And we're 30 in now. That's we're pretty playing. good. It's almost a habit, I would almost say. Almost a habit. 40, 40 days, 40 nights for a habit. Is that what it is? I thought it was three months, but 40 days, 40 <laughs> nights sounds nice and biblical. It does, yeah. Uh, so I've got a fact here. The age of 30 is uh, considered a year of uncertainty and danger oh, I in can't Chinese wait. culture. I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, so to avoid bad luck, Chinese women simply remain 29 uh, for an extra year. Yes. Good. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's strong. Fact for you. Um, yeah, don't ask me any more information on that because uh, that's not what I'm here to talk to you about okay. today. That's my oh, little icebreaker. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so 30 episodes. I've been uh, reflecting a lot on some of the topics we've been discuss- uh, discussing over the last year and... Like, kind of grappling with, like, why why we do this? Mm. Why are we doing this? Why um, do we do this? Why make a queer podcast in 2021? Why uh, look for the queerness that has existed in our community's histories? Why uncover stories that were hidden? Why search for queer meaning in texts and practices that are important to us? Why do we do it? Yeah, I mean... And the reason is because queer people have been important to the world. Fact. Queer people uh, and the vibrant communities we have built and inhabit are still important mm. and thriving. And as a collective, we have survived. We have. continue to do so, and that should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, enough of the kind of uh, soapbox. Uh, I'm going to spend today's episode talking about something that we have referenced countless times mm-hmm. in uh, in the podcast, but I wanted to explore it in a bit more detail because I think it's quite a vital part of our uh, personal history um, as podcasters and researchers and queer kids who grew up in the 90s. Mm, um, I can get away with this going. Yeah, so it might feel like the gay agenda is sort of much more prominent in our our consciousness at the moment yep. and media and news feeds um and that's because it is there at all mm-hmm. um it's it's there uh where for years it was something uh, yeah for anything that was seen to be promoting homosexuality mm-hmm. uh god forbid praising it uh was attempted to be uh pulled and pushed uh, from the public eye right so i'm going to be talking to you about section 28 okay bring uh, it on yes Maggie um, Maggie Thatcher. Uh, yeah, so this shockingly uh, modern piece of anti-gay legislation, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be talking about that and what kind of impact it has had on the kind of uh, the landscape of queer culture in the UK. Okay. And timelines are important, okay? Yes. So I'm going to sort of set the scene. Um, and I guess, yeah, there's maybe a bit of a kind of trigger warning for this being quite a... Yeah, I'm going to be... It's quite a heavy one. It's, it's quite political, Um this this episode um and i'm going to kind of take you through a kind of timeline of like how british politics and the british how the country was looking mm-hmm. in order in the kind of years that led up to section 28 being passed mm-hmm. and kind of why that might have happened yeah okay because it's important to reflect how right we so got i'm gonna fucked over <laughs> and how we got fucked over exactly i don't know whether i'm going to be impartial probably not let's um, hope not so yeah i'm going to set the scene right 1967 the sexual offenses act partially decriminalized homosexuality in england uh, meaning that two gay men could engage in sexual uh, a sexual act in the privacy of their own empty home. Yeah, great. So no, they were not allowed to have a single other. You couldn't person have in a house. flatmate in. Uh, yeah, right. And they had to be over um, 
yeah, over the age of uh, 21, I think, as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's partially decriminalised. You won't get, like, thrown in jail immediately for being a homosexual on the street. Okay. So, almost there. Uh, jump forward a bit to uh, 1972, uh, the first Pride March in the UK uh, mm-hmm. took place in London. Yeah, so there was steady progress being made, um, and then suddenly, imagine this, it's uh, the 11th of May, 1982, and the uh, following headline pops up um, in a New York Times article. Uh, the headline read, New Homosexual Disorder Worries Health Officials. Oh, dear. Yeah. So this kind of huge, uh, kind of fear-mongering statement kind of swoops um, swoops over from across the pond. Um, I'm actually going to read you the opening paragraph uh, for a bit of context, mm-hmm. uh, the opening paragraph of the article. A serious disorder of the immune system that has been known to doctors for less than a year, a disorder that appears to affect primarily male homosexuals, has now afflicted at least... 335 people, of whom it has killed 136. Officials of the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta said yesterday, Federal health officials are concerned that tens of thousands more homosexual men may be silently affected and therefore vulnerable to potentially grave ailments. So this article, um, and many, many that followed in the early 80s, initially referred to um, the disease which soon became known as uh, the AIDS virus, mm-hmm as GRID, uh, which stood for Gay-Related Immune Deficiency Syndrome. And a federal uh, epidemiologist, that's Mm -hmm. how you say that, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. at the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, um, which is a a US uh, national public health agency, Dr James W. Curran described GRID uh, in this very article as a matter of urgent public health and scientific importance. So that's kind of the lay of the land, Mm -hmm. right, in the kind of early 80s, this kind of terrifying virus uh, that was silently starting to affect primarily gay and bisexual men was kind of creeping across the pond from the states yeah nobody understood it and nobody understood it right and it was so that's scary yeah there was a kind of extremely sparse information about it about what it was how how it was spread and if there was any known cure which at the time there wasn't so it was incredibly under-researched and and that was really scary so the uk was described uh yeah as being pretty much in like a state of panic people didn't know what was going on they fe- people feared hiv um and the aids virus and in turn like feared the patients who were suffering from it who were dying and so homophobia and kind of public displays of kind of anti-gay hatred were, were pretty pretty rife right-wing media were like and yeah right-wing media were pretty much like dousing the flames yeah. um with petrol um and the blame was falling almost entirely on gay men mm-hmm. so that's that's all going on yeah um and instead of a, a government effort to educate the public on the kind of ways to protect ourselves from HIV, uh, the circulation, oh, it's just, it makes my skin crawl. Um, mm. the, the Don't Die of Ign- Ignorance campaign, which yeah. you've probably seen, which is um, featuring this very shocking monolith. Um, that's why I was Googling monoliths. Ah. Um, yeah, the kind of, that AIDS tombstone, um, which was just on, uh, you know, in newspapers, it was run in print, it was on the, it's on television, there's these really horrible videos, which a lot of people were shown in schools. And it was a sort of an attempt to terrify gay people into celibacy, basically. That was yeah. kind of the government's response to it. And the Conservative Party kind of jumped on the chance to kind of pose as a, a unified political party during this time, kind of upholding, you know, traditional family values away from all that scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of yeah, scary gain, gay stuff. Scary gay stuff, yeah. And they kind of took it as a chance to like gain a lot of support across quite a divided and fearful nation. Mm. Uh, and then in um, in 1987, Margaret Thatcher, because we could not uh, do this episode without her, she delivered a like famously bone chilling speech, um, which I'm not sure if you've watched. I watched it. It's horrible. Mm. Uh, which basically like capitalizes on this gay hatred, and it was. It's horrible because you can hear it's just met with like rapturous applause at the end. But I'm going to come back to that speech a little bit later. Okay. So that was so that was one. So yeah. the AIDS epidemic was one of the kind of really strong contributor factors to that led up to Section 28 being passed. And then the second event was the interrogation of a children's book. What's, what? So you've got a scary, unknown uh, disease which is killing millions of people. Yeah. And then you've got a children's book and these are the two things that that lead towards that have kind of been identified as the two factors that led up to section 28 what children's book so the book was called uh jenny lives with eric and martin do you know about gay dads no okay so it was originally published in danish and it was uh, designed as a teaching resource um to encourage conversations with children about alternative family structures Mm -hmm. so it was used in um yeah in in denmark and then um europe and, and countries um could 
purchase it for their own kind of teaching um, establishments. Um, and it basically depicted a young girl living with her two gay dads. Mm. And it was pretty tame, pretty nice. Um, love it. Yeah. It's a kid's book. It was, a, it was a, yeah, it was a kind of educational, um, yeah, kid's, kid's book. Um, definitely used, like, intended to be used as a kind of teaching aid. Uh, and here's a review of the book, uh, written by uh, 11-year-old Oliver White, which was taken from the December 83 issue of Gay East Midlands magazine. Um, I'm just going to read you what Oliver thought of it. Uh, I personally think this book is very true to life. It's a good idea to have books like this because people should understand about gays. Children generally think gays are funny because they love their own sex and so they make horrid jokes about them. But they don't usually know anyone who is gay, so they don't really understand them. I think children should read books like this because it would help them to understand gay people. I think gay people are alright because I live with them and I know what they're really like. If more children read books like this, they would understand too and grow up knowing what gay people are really like. Oh. Sweet and to the point. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming, yeah, Oliver White uh, lives in one of these um, family, uh, yeah, alternative, alternative family structures. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, of course, this is a book to open up conversations with children, with yeah, older children about family structures that might be slightly different to the kind of imposed traditional British values that they yeah. may have. It's like um, relationship education. Yeah. It's not sex ed. They're not teaching them anything. No, exactly. Like that could be considered in any way R-rated or like exactly. 18 plus. It's just some like sometimes people have two dads. Yeah, it's it's it. definitely like from the angle of, of family and um, yeah, the 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 girl in it is a is a child. Um, yeah, living with her two dads. Yeah, mm. it's very it was very tame. But of course, uh, the British conservative media to yeah to them it kind of represented a threat to their traditional family values. And was basically considered kind of homosexual, like like a homosexual recruiting manual. Um, what the fuck? And yeah, the fact that it was uh, the English language version was published by uh, Gay Men's Press mm-hmm. was yeah, that's kind of made, yeah only made things worse. Yeah, so it's a very sweet, informative book. But like by the time it hit the tabloids, none of that mattered. No. By the time it hit the tabloids, only one copy of the book had been purchased in England um, for a, t- a teaching centre. Um, and the single copy was stocked at the Inner London Education Authority, and it was intended for use with older children, uh, and even then only with parental permission. So if you suspect, I don't know, if you, yeah, if you are, if you you, you are a same-sex couple with a child, maybe you would, the school could use this book to work with them, uh, or if they were a child that was curious about um, homosexuality or family structures, they could use this book in order to open up these conversations. Mm. Very controlled, though. It was very controlled, yeah. With parental permission, again, very tame book. Like, yeah. it's not a manual for homosexuality. It was uh, an educational aid. It's but basically, at this point, uh, there was like this huge tug of war happening in British politics. Um, Labour and the Conservatives um, were pretty like fighting quite dirty for party supporters um, ahead of this kind of looming upcoming election. And the tabloid media was campaigning against the loony left, campaigning against Labour making claims that uh, Labour, by committing to supporting LGB uh, rights a year previously, sort of meant they were in support of paedophilia, basically. That's what they were claiming. Um, right. Which was still very like heavily associated with gay men in the view of the far right. Yeah. So, not a great time. And in 1986, the Sun newspaper, that font of factual knowledge oh, yeah. that, we, that we worship, the Sun newspaper ran a front-page he- headline that read, Vile book in schools. Pupils see pictures of gay lovers, which makes it sound like... It makes it sound porn. like a Kama Sutra, is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. It makes it sound absolutely like... Absolutely unbelievable. There's a child involved and there's some sort of, like, sex manual happening, you know. See pictures of gay lovers. So the Sun editor at the time, Kelvin McKenzie, um, he plastered pictures of the, the cover of Jenny Lives With, Erica Martin, all over its front page, um, denouncing it as a piece of homosexual propaganda. So these are, like, really loaded, really yeah. loaded terms. And it basically claimed that like left-wing councils were, were pushing this book on young young children and it was re- readily available in school libraries, which it absolutely wasn't. No. One copy. One copy was purchased in a like, controlled environment. It wasn't a public resource. It was at a teaching like, facility somewhere. So you'd have to really look for it, you know. But anyway, they, yeah. got on, they kind of caught on to this and they said it was available in school libraries. And yeah, yeah, the underlying message was like the key takeaway was basically that um, Labour were supporting paedophilia by pushing the gay agenda onto innocent children. That's the that's the angle it took. And a year later, the Conservatives took over from the Labour Party after winning uh, the general election. So the party had continued to use like overtly homophobic 
uh, posters to like plow forward and kind of just ignoring yeah ignored public protests um Ian McKellen was um, uh, one of the protesters in the mm. in the kind of London rallies. So yeah, they were getting quite a lot of attention. They had a hu- you know there was a huge following, um, the you know mass public protests against yeah. this. Um, but despite that, uh, in um, so in October 1987, um, at a Conservative Party conference, the Prime Minister, the then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, persisted uh, in restoring um, uh, the balance of traditional family values, which everyone was like very, very happy about, in favour for. But basically, kind of in that speech, kind of slyly declares war on the LGBT community, but disguised it as a kind of tactical move against the loony left, as kind of a way to like embarrass the kind of the party, um, yeah, embarrass the opposition and kind of denounce Labour councils in this like really rousing speech. Yeah. So it was, it wasn't openly like, I hate the gays, yeah. but it was like, isn't it terrible that your Labour councils support this disgusting Other ways act? of being. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and everyone's like, yeah, we hate Labour too. Um, let's, yeah, let's, Take we, down. yeah, we support you. And didn't kind of, whether people didn't notice that it was like anti, anti-gay or whether people just were so kind of anti-Labour by that point. Like it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty divided. Yeah. She was playing pretty dirty, basically. Yeah. Oh god, here we go. I've got a, I've got a quote. I've got okay. a quote from it. Oh, it's horrible. It's making my skin crawl. I'm wash your mouth out. Yeah, say the words. Uh, I'm not going to do her voice. Um, anyway, so she says in this speech, uh, it's the plight of individual boys and girls that worries me most. Children who need to be taught to respect traditional moral values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All of these children are being cheated out of a sound start in life. Yes, cheated. Oh. It's horrible. It's disgusting. Why Why don't they have an, a right to be gay? Yeah. And so she's framing it as... It's a very clever speech, like, yeah. She's framing it as they have not... They are not... They are being cheated by their schools and councils who are denying them a fair start. Not the gays are denying them. It's the councils... It's the structure yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of making it legitimate by talking about it. Yeah. It's... The way we teach children makes more of them gay, yeah, or something like that. Exactly, it's unbelievable. It's saying that the balance is off when yeah. it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's not being at all. balanced. Yeah, it's bringing people up to. It's bringing people who uh, live in you know gay family structures or are gay themselves onto a level. Yeah, bringing them up. It's very horrible. Yeah, it's really horrible to watch. Um, and a year later, after that speech uh, was made in May 1988. Section 28 of the Local Government Act was passed. Despite uh, gross public debate and numerous demonstrations, it was written into law that local authorities shall not intentionally promote homosexuality or publish material with the intention of promoting homosexuality. Uh, It stated that a local authority shall not promote the teaching in any maintained school of the acceptability of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. Pretended. And that's seriously loaded it's so lo- It's so loaded. To be written into law. It's so, so loaded. And, uh, like, recently I was I was reading about, or listening to someone talk about bullying. Mm. Bullying of kids in school. Homophobic bullying. And that, at this time, teachers didn't even think they could defend kids who were being bullied. Yeah. Because that in itself could be seen as promoting Positive. that gay kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let them be bullied. And it was... Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable damage was done. Yeah, it took all the like resources away, and any kind of authority that teachers or councils could have in defending um, homophobia and kind of anti-gay hatred, you know, acts of hatred, it just took all the power away because yeah. it it said well, we don't want to be too positive about them gays. Yeah, and that was it was a really dark, really dark time, and it damaged a lot of it damaged. A lot of teachers, of course, and it damaged mm. a lot of students. Untold during... numbers of people. Untold numbers, yeah. And this was actually the first anti-gay law to be introduced in the UK in the UK for over a hundred years. Jesus Christ! Like going back, really into back dark into ages. the dark ages, yeah. Uh, and it basically meant that like a generation of young gay and lesbian children could only be taught that their relationships, their family, uh, their love was was not real, or even worse, that it was pretend, mm. which is such an awful, awful word. Yeah. Um, and if teachers tried to say anything different, they would be breaking the law. Yeah. So that sucks. That does suck. 
yeah, this essentially became like a national um, silencing of LGBT staff and teachers who were like just basically forced in many institutions to kind of exist undercover Mm. and living what they must have felt like a double life. Yeah, they wouldn't have been able to mention anything about their personal life. Yeah. The clause not only kind of affected the materials distributed in schools, but like also what could be shown in uh, educational settings like galleries and museums. Oh my God. So all these kind of local councils just had no way of exhibiting anything that was seen as being promoted. So even just like learning that you choose to do by going to a museum yeah 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 well, i had no idea it reached that far yeah yeah anything that was kind of an, a maintained kind of public funded educational yeah museum or you know now we have all you know brilliant archives and you know the, the bishopsgate institute all those mm. places like would they have been like allowed to function in the way they do now where we're so open we yeah. can walk in and find out anything we want surely not they would have been yeah um so for yeah basically for anyone who's kind of saying like oh the gay gay stuff needs, seems to be everywhere it's just because for years it was there it just wasn't legal to speak about it yeah so uh yeah lgbt plus youth groups um support youth support groups sorry um across the country were closed down uh councils were banned from funding plays uh films books um like leaflets like any any material that depicted same-sex relationships in a in any way in any way basically yeah. people were just very kind of unsure of how how they were able to like exhibit this material so people just didn't mm. and section 28 remained in place for 15 years which was basically both of our education yeah that what our... date did it start 1988 88 to uh, it was two, 2003 it was removed from yeah. english law it was a bit earlier in scotland yeah it? so that was i was 12 when it ended then yeah by that time the damage was done yeah 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 Yeah, i mean it basically resulted in more than a decade of queer invisibility isolation Mm. stigmatism and loneliness yeah and Um, if you then think about like how long it takes new materials to circulate into schools like many more years that had a knock-on effect yeah yeah yeah. exactly and like it's very hard to put back things that have been taken away most of the time that doesn't happen yeah things aren't reintroduced it's usually just something new so it's yeah, and a lot of places maybe didn't even realise that that had been repealed and so wouldn't actively put back promotional <laughs> materials. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it was uh, the clause was removed from English law in, in 2003 and so for, co- for cultural context, that's about Harry Potter book number five. So like, wow, okay, fairly, yeah. it feels fairly, fairly recent. Yeah. So around this time, a Stonewall survey found that 82% of teachers were aware of verbal attacks against LGBT students. Uh, 26% of those were also aware of physical attacks and of those um, uh, of these relevant schools and institutions only 6% had an anti-homophobia bullying policy in place so teachers were watching silently forced forced into kind of silence and forced to watch this kind of bullying and, and mistreatment happen in schools and couldn't do anything about it because it was against the law or they were feared for their jobs or they feared for their own private lives to be exposed or any number of any number of things god it's it's pretty heavy and it's a kind of incalculable effect and we have no idea how yeah how how things could have been differently Mm. how how things could have been different had people like us been able to be be ourselves from a younger age or be accepted or be taught that it was not a shameful thing Mm. i mean you know the straight jacket talks about this a lot um yeah yeah, I read a Just lot. Just to have yeah. any any language to understand what was going on. Yeah, I remember I was I was learning about like in sort of early early adolescence, like eleven, twelve, thirteen years old. It's quite common for uh, kids to have like homosexual crushes mm. because you're kind of trying to work out who you are and you look for elements of yourself in other people. And the thing is, for me, when everyone else stopped having those, I was still having the crushes Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what was going on I had no idea what was wrong with me and why all my friends had suddenly stopped talking about it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was suddenly not okay yeah I had no clue what was wrong with me and it was terrifying yeah just thought I was like wrong and broken because if you have no role models and you have no point of reference no educational point of reference Mm -hmm. that is kind of yeah unbiased or not leaning any any way it's not kind of homophobic it's not you just need you need like you need facts you need educate you know education is supposed to be like that level playing field to just inform you 
of what is what is out there in mm. the world yeah. that you need to be kind of prepared for. Mm. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, it just led, I mean, Section 28 at the time, it just allowed for further demonisation of the LGBT community, this idea that there is something wrong with how you are. Yeah. And in the years after the Act was repealed, um, after 2003, um, various Conservative Party chairmen have made public apologies, uh, including David Cameron, who considered it a mistake that uh, was offensive to gay people, which is like the biggest understatement of the century. Yeah. Oh my God! Cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, it was offensive to gay people. It was it was it destroyed lives. Yeah. It destroyed countless lives. Is what it did. And maybe in a yeah, a public apology isn't it quite enough. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't offensive. It was dangerous. It was incredibly dangerous. It cost lives. Yeah, it did. So the yeah, I mean the LGBTQ community is still very much feeling the effects of Section Twenty Eight today. It's it's why we are doing this podcast because there is stuff that we don't know that we weren't taught, yeah, and we have to keep constantly finding parts of ourselves to kind of piece together. And um, I mean, some some schools in the UK still have policies in place which essentially replicate those set out in the original Act. Yeah, as I said, like once certain texts and materials are removed from school libraries and the curriculum, they are rarely reintroduced. Yeah, um, the funding is scarce. Yeah, it doesn't really happen. Um, and so, yeah, while the uh, the playing field has been kind of levelled in, in many ways, there are, there are now laws to uh, to protect LGBTQ plus people. Uh, we can marry, have children, the age of consent is equal to that of heterosexual relationships. Um, you can be openly gay and serve in the army and in schools and government. But like in many, yeah, in many, many ways, our community is still on the back foot yeah. um, as a result of Section 28, like specifically as a result of that. Um, and as a community, like... Yeah, we are way more likely to experience homelessness, addiction, higher levels of depression, anxiety, feel suicidal. Like these are all really serious, scary things, um, which of co- of course can affect anyone at any point in their lives. But it's way more common for LGBT people. Yeah, um, many members of the trans community are still being are still battling for any kind of equality, access to healthcare, and other you know basic human rights. So, I think it's something we've mentioned a lot, and like an awareness of. LGBT issues in the modern day requires like a, ho- a healthy dose of historical reflection. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to offer um, today. Like in every episode, we discuss how representation would have changed yeah. uh, our uh, our perception of LGBT people, mm-hmm. um, our own uh, lifestyle growing up. Like I, yeah, I can't imagine who I would be if I'd been taught about LGBT history in school, yeah. um, or if the teachers like we knew were gay were allowed to speak freely about their experiences. If yeah. we could see if we were given a chance to have suitable role models just have anyone any adults any living. adult yeah it would it's just so important because you can't be what you can't imagine yeah if that makes sense and if you don't have any role models you can't possibly imagine being an out person being a proud person getting to adulthood and yeah. being gay. having a like, future yeah and like the only stories that i heard were from my mum who like her friends were uh, gay in like the 60s and well, not 60s she's not that old in the 70s and 80s mm. and just what a terrifying time that was for them and i was like oh dear mm. oh no is that what awaits me yeah you know yeah it was terrible yeah. terrible timing because you've got this you had this brief bit of you know moment of freedom where things was partially decriminalized you know pride marches were starting mm. and then suddenly this huge yeah this virus this swept through devastating illness absolutely devastated the community um and you know and so many other people it doesn't just affect um homosexuals mm. um but of course that and then f- and then to be immediately silenced like it yeah. just seems like the most unfortunate timing and and so damaging yeah i mean the yeah the it's dark history but it is extremely recent mm. you know section 28 was really recent and it serves as like a proper reminder that like our you know our rights are still in constant debate and like we have to yeah we have to stay vigilant to uphold uphold these the freedoms that we do yeah. have yeah kind of my final point is um yeah the re- most recent example i could think of in kind of more recent history is the um the 2019 birmingham school process which oh, happened yeah. where yeah educational facilities are striving to become more inclusive and to kind of reset that balance yet again while still facing this yeah this uproar from from parents um in the form of kind of homophobic protests and rallies and it does. It certainly shows that you know while the laws um, may have started to change, you know we are making steps every day. Mm. But public attitudes towards homosexuality and queer lifestyles are not, unfortunately, are not universally accepted. Yeah, 
And so, yeah. can you imagine like being a kid going into school and seeing those protesters outside your school? If yeah. you're queer and you just keep your head down and think yeah. like I am an abomination. Yeah. You know, and how damaging that must be, even if they weren't there for that long. Like, yeah, that is that is bad. That is painful for them. Yeah. And it is sad to see that struggle still going on today. But you're right. Like, you have to talk about it, otherwise things slip through. Yeah. Things yeah, yeah. like Section 28 get in there because it was never specifically directly said, mm, I'm going to make mm. it so that you can't talk about anything. Yeah. And it silenced the population immediately after a period of intense grief. Yeah, yeah. And so it bound Enduring. and gagged everyone. You can't talk about your trauma, mm-hmm. suffer in silence. Yeah. You know, therein lies mental illness, drug yeah. addiction, all those yeah. sorts of painful things. Whereas now I feel like, you know, the role of the ally is is kind of far greater at the moment as well. I hope that enough people now, you know, if we do continue to document and kind of put put ourselves out there and have, yeah, just have our histories etched into everybody's consciousness, like yeah. people can't, that can't happen again. And I hope the more we, you know, all my friends know I'm gay. Yeah. Hopefully they would all stand up for me if my rights were being taken away. And I think we yeah. have to have the same attitude with people who, who aren't there yet, you know, for our, yeah, yeah particularly people who are in, in our communities more disadvantaged than we are mm. Mm. anyway yeah. so that's my soapbox no no thank <laughs> you that was um really really interesting i've never really like looked into it too much because i guess maybe i was a bit scared actually to, a, to yeah, kind of find a, out and like you said that speech is so vile and yeah and i want to say acidic but i mean like mm. poisonous actually it is yeah and the, um, it was propaganda like mm. all of those news headlines are just so full of lies they're savage yeah. absolutely savage and unbelievably untrue yeah um it's that yeah the 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 gay related disease uh, mm. a friend uh actually a listener of ours chris was watching a horizon documentary about about aids but it was from like the 80s mm. this documentary God. and he was like he sent me a screen cap with this scientist saying uh, lesbians don't really get it because they're cleaner. Women are cleaner. And it was like... A compl- like so much... Obviously nobody yeah, knew so what was going on. So much blame is put on the gay and bisexual men of the... Yeah, yeah for being disgusting, sordid, dirty things. Yeah, and it puts everything... It, it does put the onus on, on those kind of sexual encounters, which when you're talking about family structure is so it's just wildly different it's on the complete other end of the, you know the spectrum like it's yeah. not it's not relevant to what they're about. comparing is like a settled down heterosexual couple with kids to like you know straight kids in university yeah that's what they're thinking of like they think that gay men stay as like as whatever they were yeah. in their teens for the rest of their life that they never settle down and have like just a, a normal family they're mm. just like oh they're having sort of dirty sex all over the place it's yeah. like well you probably did too when you were yeah, younger yeah, yeah. and then you also settle down it's yeah. just like a complete well, misunderstanding some do. yeah some people want to live alone and grow their vegetables some people want to have a family some people want to have loads of sex with loads of people for yeah. their entire lives and, and that's, that's not fine. exclusive to gay people that's not that's exclusive not to gay people. people that's just how people are some people just like sex and yeah. like we're all animals yeah exactly exactly anyway thank you so much um okay so actually i think maybe we both went for quite heavy topics and i'm gonna in as much as i can i'm gonna try and keep this kind of light because what i'm going to be talking about is the christian church the bible and lgbt uh, it's all relevant people. <laughs> yes it's all relevant uh, and i've got here does uh, god really hate fags yep. which is a reference to the westboro baptist church who will protest at like the funerals of soldiers yeah, yeah, yeah. any opportunity uh, god hates fags they'll hold their signs out they get kids to hold those signs yeah, out. yeah yeah and this isn't specifically about the westboro baptist church that's just uh, their slogan mm. i used resources from stonewall thegoodbook.co.uk which is uh, i was reading about this book called the plausibility problem which i will maybe refer to later um resources from vicky beeching who was a christian who came out a christian singer who came out as gay and then was entirely rejected mm. this article by taylor francis and MLive and HistoryCollection.com as well as some Wikipedia pages and things like that. Quite a lot of Wikipedia pages about the Bible mm. specifically because um, it turns out it's, I guess, quite complex. Quite long. <laughs> it's quite long and it has been longer. Mm. Anyway, no. God doesn't hate fags, basically. Right. God doesn't hate gay people and I genuinely 
actually do believe that the New Testament all loving all knowing God as such as written in the canonical universe of the Christian Bible does not and could not hate anybody that's kind of his whole deal I that's think. Specific, yeah yeah that's his like he's like it's about loving God anyway so there's this like it's a very big and extremely contentious topic and mm-hmm. I have read books on it queer prophets and um gay black British queer just queer Christian it's in in certain order that works out to LGBT, uh, which is the Famine of Grace, which is a really beautiful mm-hmm. book um, by an even uh, sorry what a previously Methodist minister about the lack of grace and love for Black queer people in the church. Mm-hmm. A really beautiful book, highly recommend. And I'm aware that this is a little bit of a risk I guess to talk about because there are so many heated opinions and you know Christian extremists out there but you know each different Christian church has its differences based on its interpretation of the Bible that's kind of essentially where the differences lie Mm. and the very fact that you can interpret the Bible differently is kind of where the error lies that is the human element coming in okay that's not God that's not this divine being of Jesus that is the human element in. That's the editor. Yeah. That is the editor. And I like I have quite a bit of personal experience trying to fit myself into the church to find love and acceptance and my only experience personally in my younger years was just rejection, control, shame, uh, feeling that I was sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very particular thing that the Catholic Church does, which is that Jesus died for you. What will you do for Jesus? It's kind of like you are guilty just for existing, almost. Mm-hmm. So you it's owe. confession yeah. and everything like that. Like you are full of sin as a person because humans are full of the original sin. And I'm going to talk about this, um, the impact of this kind of constant the impact of this rhetoric that, that queer people specifically are what the Bible and what God is against. There's sort of standard passages and arguments that people point to in order to like denounce queerness and explain that, and I'm going to kind of explain why those are not actually anti-LGBT passages and why, even if they are, you can't really use them as weapons against mm-hmm. anybody. Now, I'm, I'm not, you mentioned being unbiased, I'm not actually particularly interested in giving a level footing in this one. I don't think I want to allow the kind of hateful side of this to come in, the anti-queer standpoint, because I've read, I have read some of the anti-queer resources out there and I simply don't find them compelling. Yeah. I don't find them to be consistent. Yeah. And, you know, I also believe that if this were a, if... I were coming at this from the other side, the anti-queer side. I don't think we would be given an equal standing on this side. So, you know, this is a place for love and acceptance, and that's what I'm going to bring. Please do. Yes. So, where am I? So, using the interpretation of the Bible to turn people away from the church and to shame people, I think is, because we talked about that being an interpretation, Mm -hmm. it being a very human element, I think that that is a personal choice, and it's about uh, the person who is saying to the... The person who is saying queer people aren't welcome, it is about them, it's not about their religion. Uh, It's not about faith, it's not about God, it's just that they, as an individual, don't like queer people, because it's... God doesn't hate anyone, and the Bible is interpretive, and so because it's a human thing it's it's people hating other people maybe that is fighting talk but i mean i mean come fight me um so i i like i i can feel it coming up now i feel angrier and angrier about this as i when i do this research and mm. i know that my personal experience is really coming into this and i will try not to let that come out too much um <laughs> hannah is just hulking out here for anyone oh, who my can't face see. is getting like real red <laughs> When I was quite young and impressionable, I I was confused about who I was and I desperately wanted to be accepted and I wanted to be told that I was loved and that it was okay to be me and I fell in with a crowd of Christians, a bad crowd of Christians, evangelical I think, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. some, some kind that is specifically about like renouncing your sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and some people who were born again, which is also kind of a, a, an evangelical thing. And I was struggling a lot, and I was asking them for love and caring, and instead what I got was that I was met not with open arms, but with a closed fist. So uh, my, like my friends were outraged. Uh, they encouraged me to simply turn away from 
my sexuality mm -hmm. to resist the urges of same-sex attraction, which they um, sometimes simplify into SAS, which is actually a kind of cult tactic to simplify things into um, acronyms mm. so that you don't have to do the long-form thinking to question your own thoughts. You just say the acronym. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be accepted by them and their God and ultimately to be of any value as a human, I had to renounce my sexuality. That's what they told me. Mm. And they wrote prayers for me and gave them to me and told me to repeat them, denounce my sin and turn to God instead. And unsurprisingly, this really fucked with me, which yes. is why this is a little bit... It's taken me a while to get around to this topic. It's one of the ones mm. I thought about doing quite early on and, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, it needs a bit of space. Yeah. What is SAS? Oh, sorry, SSA. Same-sex attraction. Yeah. I'm dyslexic, so... Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. And I've met, like, since then... And since becoming like a grown-up adult person, mm -hmm. moving about in the world in the way that I want to, I have met many, many wonderful, amazingly loving, caring, open, accepting religious people, mm -hmm. you know, uh, who do believe that God loves everyone and yeah. that acceptance is what the church is about and that loving your neighbour Loving thy neighbour and judge not lest ye be judged is the message. Yeah. And I can, and I really find a lot of solace in those new connections, mm. but um, it is hard to let go of early experiences. We are very mouldable in our younger years and it can really impact people. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm not what you would call religious. I do, I think that I connect more to an idea of spirituality because religion as a construct has caused so much pain and damage yeah. um, because it's it can in many ways step away from just being about faith and loving people it can turn into a kind of cult I guess mm. personal disclaimer aside I don't want to shit on people's religion I don't think there's anything wrong with having faith in God or being religious and I know that it gives a lot to a lot of people and has given a lot to people in my life um, what I do have an issue with is people using their religion as a way to deny other people their rights or to condemn or shame people for living the life that they need to. Mm -hmm. Okay, so ah, we get to the Bible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Bible. I knew, we knew it was coming. It was coming. A book in two parts made of between 66 and 81 books, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the Bible has a very famous version, the King James Version, which was uh, published in 1611. And both before and after the 1611 version, it has changed many, 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 many times. Mm -hmm. uh, according to history.com, the text in the Bible has undergone many alterations, adaptations for grammar, inclusion of newly the newly formed letter J, which did not exist when ah, it was put in Older than the letter J. Older than the letter J. So that's why you sometimes see Jesus written as Jesus Ooh. with just an I. Um, <laughs> there were incorrect gender pronouns, um, extremely poor translations from the original Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, which was the Old Testament, so right. much so that um, scholars, Hebrew scholars have been so upset by the way it was translated mm. um, because it's completely untrue to the original text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, ge yeah geographies all over the place. Like. <laughs> it's just mad. A mission, there's one uh, very famous printing called the, I think it's called like the, the Evil Bible or something, where basically they didn't print the word not in thou shalt not commit adultery, so it just said thou shalt commit adultery. Um, that's a pretty bad typo. That's a very bad typo. It's a very important word. Uh, the complete omission of some books, um, and there were multiple versions mm. of translations that existed at the same time, so in parallel, adapting each individually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All different interpretations in themselves. Yeah, quite literally not singing from the same hymn book there, Not at all. Additional works kept being added. They were not using original source documents to translate, so it was translations on translations on translations. Mm. So. Human error. Exactly. I wonder, you Don't can sort us. of see why the Bible itself may not be the source of truth that people say that it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's absolutely written by mankind, and we make mistakes. To err is human, after all. Yes, yes, Because yes. I, I know what that means. <laughs> uh, it is so like so understandable that we make mistakes because the the printing press was monks mm -hmm. writing by hand back yeah. in the day okay? by candlelight probably like. exactly <laughs> and there's just there was just no way to keep track of all the versions yeah 
And if someone said, yeah, 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 I'm totally translating this, I know what this means, yeah. you just have to believe them. And the main sources of the Bible, manuscripts from the New Testament, some in, in Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Armenian, Georgian, uh, Syriac, uh, Coptic, some dating from the 2nd century to mm. the 15th century... <laughs> Uh, yeah, early. The like, monks were basically like walking Wikipedia. There was, yeah, there was <laughs> just so much information, yeah. and the earliest source material, you know, is thousands and thousands of years old. Yeah, it's it was written originally in a time when when the world we live in today would have been incomprehensible. Yeah, okay, to the to those writing original source texts, let alone early jun- translations. The language we use today did not exist. The morals of the world were absolutely different to what they are now and the trans and then translating that countless times into a variety of versions honed in some ways to like cut down wording you know translated from languages that didn't have direct translated words yeah yeah so this text the christian bible contains six passages uh, which people refer to as proof that homosexuality and therefore other queerness is a crime against god himself and i'm going to take you through these passages and with the help of the very brilliant Matthew Vine, who is a queer evangelical mm-hmm. uh, Christian. He is helping me explain how these six passages are not anti-queer uh, because it is due to a misinterpretation okay. or a poor interpretation or whatever. So these are passages that would typically be in the argument against... Yeah, they would say, okay. in this passage, it, clearly it says, says God hates don't, don't have gay man sex... And then Matthew Vine says, no, it doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, uh, yeah. In you Genesis- haven't considered the, the, have the you, letter J. Have you considered <laughs> J, though? Uh, yeah. Okay. After this, it'll be fairly quick, so I'm going to try and keep no, no, it. No, hit me, hit me. Uh, Genesis 19, Genesis being the first book. The story of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. This has been held up as a cautionary tale about the sinfulness of homosexuality. Do you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Not really. Not in de- any detail. So it's quite, I think it's actually quite short, but basically there's a guy, some angels come to town, and the guy's like, hey, come stay with me, and then the lo- like local people in the area were like, we want to rape those angels, and this guy's like, no, here's my daughter instead, mm-hmm. and then the city was destroyed by God, in anger, because uh, he destroyed a lot of things in the uh, Old Testament, and some people mm-hmm. say the city represented homosexual practices, that's not really what I took away from the story. But scholars indicate that the city uh, cities were destroyed by God because they did not help the poor and needy. You mm-hmm. know, they weren't taking in and respecting the poor and needy who yeah, needed shelter. No good and that the sinful sex that was occurring in Sodom and Gomorrah is rape, which is quite quite obvious. That's they they don't specifically bad. say yeah. rape in in the story, but they say they just they want to take them by force mm. and they offer up their daughter instead, which is like somehow the better option but basically the sin here is mistreatment rape of house guests yes okay not about gays not about the gays just be a better host just don't do that anyway okay leviticus 18:22 and leviticus 20:13 these are two references condemning homosexuality okay do not lie with man as one lies with woman that is detestable and uh sorry if a man lies with a man as one lies with woman both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death and their blood will be on their own heads. That's quite explicit. It is explicit. It is explicit. But for instance, Leviticus also bans tattoos, porks, shellfish, and offers proper rules for selling a slave. And Leviticus also advocates death penalty for adultery. Okay. okay. Things that are not necessarily held up anymore. Mm. So there is also the well-known history of the Greco-Roman tradition that I have mentioned before in past episodes of uh, mythology yeah, yeah. about pederastry. This refers to a um, quote-unquote relationship, a, a let's Between. say a, basically it's an adult man yeah. who has a boy, okay? A yeah. child that he will abuse and rape as his, quote, favourite. And this was a very common practice, especially among among like men of status yeah 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 okay and um, but they were also men who would be married okay and so this pederastic relationship was also it was yeah it was very out there mm. and it was also a, a considered by many to be a form of adultery 
because he wasn't having sex with his wife, he was having sex with somebody else. Yeah, that somebody else didn't have a, a choice about it, mm. but it was outside of the sanctity of marriage. Mm. So many scholars believe that this relationship between a man and a boy is actually what it is referring to when it says a man who lies with man, because it is a mistranslation. It would, didn't wouldn't, didn't originally say man. It was a different word for boy. Okay, okay. And it's uh, w- and that between a grown man and a boy is a harmful, wrong relationship. You yeah, know? yeah. One of the people in that relationship doesn't have, can't give consent, mm-hmm. and does not consent to that relationship. And as I mentioned, it would also be considered adultery, which Leviticus yeah. has described. You should be punished with death. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Big one. Yeah. Corinthians 6, 9, 10 and 1 Timothy 1, 10. Don't know if you're going to go look these up, but you might read those numbers later. <laughs> Paul writes in Corinthians, Or do you not know that, uh, that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, or swindlers, it's a bit of a <laughs> will inherit the kingdom of God. It's me and all my friends out, <laughs> out, <laughs> out on the town. Swindlers and thieves. Yeah. Come with me, slanderers and drunkards. <laughs> uh, Timothy, uh, in Timothy, Paul writes, the law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, Promise breakers, no pinky swears. Absolutely no breaking of promises. Or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching. Vague ending. Mm. However, in both passages, there is a debate about the terms now translated as referring to homosexuality. So in the new translation, it says homosexualities. Mm. Homosexuality, but actually there wasn't a term for that back then. Uh, The ambiguous ambiguous wording is often translated to sodomites which people also use to refer to homosexuals but sodomite there's not actually an equivalent in greek or hebrew Mm. and this is from a a scholar called mary rose d'angelo she's a biblical scholar um, who is in based in notre dame Mm. um, in paris and the word actually the word used for sodomite or homosexuality uh, homosexuals is actually a word meaning something more like quote-unquote softy but refers to somebody who likes too much sex, someone who is too damn horny for their own good, okay. right? Lustful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even assuming that Paul is actually referring to homosexuality in these passage passages, there is a dispute about exactly what he is condemning and why. Okay. You know, many people believe that this is again referring to the practice of men and men having sex with boys because mm. it is men and men, but would have actually been men and other word, but it's just been kind of simplified yeah, in yeah, many yeah. translations. Or if it's about a belief that men who have sex in the non-dominant position is somehow degrading. Yeah. And that's been quite a prevalent belief um, yeah, that was over the millennia. Um, in the ancient, yeah, ancient Greece was in ancient of, Greece, even in, in, in Viking yeah. um, Viking culture, it was okay for men to have sex with each other. It's just that it was degrading, yeah. believed to be degrading if you were in the submissive yeah. position. Exactly, the you were, if you were like a leader of an army and you were the yeah the kind of the top, then uh, absolutely fine. You yeah. were given status. You're just doing your manly duty to fuck things. Yeah, exactly. Um, and these ideas are very clearly re- related to the idea of gender that was held in the ancient yeah. world and also in today's world. I would argue where men are superior to women and that a man in a non-dominant position is therefore comparable to being a woman or acting as a woman terrible god forbid Mm -hmm. fine i think finally finally romans 1 26 27 many theologians say this is the key passage on homosexuality okay okay this is a new new testament paul writes God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sex- natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Whatever that means. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lusts for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received themselves the due penalty of their mm-hmm. error. The, this passage does seem to say that same-sex relationships are unnatural. But we have to remember that the that Paul and the world, Paul, the writer mm, in yeah. this section, lived in, they didn't understand gender and sex in the way that we do today. Yeah. But in this passage, the larger, larger point, the big picture, the yeah. big picture here, guys, is that people shouldn't worship idols instead of God. And leading worshipping okay. idols instead of God leads to mistakes in morality. Oh, and yes. so he says, they worshipped idols, and then they did all this 
weird sexy stuff they were promiscuous that I didn't and, really get yeah and don't really understand it kind of sounds like you know a, a small group of people are having like quite a lot of sex mm. and then another kind of maybe even smaller group are not having as much and are bitter about it yeah and there was another point actually made by a another scholar um called Fitzgerald um that Although homosexuality is singled out by some people today as an especially vile sin, the Bible tends to lump it in with lots of other sins like greed and gossiping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which are not. It sounds like yeah, they at got all. yeah. They, I mean, tattoos were grouped into that and yep. kind of and promise breaking. Like you can't. It's not Wearing comparable. Wearing clothes of mixed mixed fabric, planting <laughs> like planting, uh, which the gays are also guilty of quite I, a lot. I mean, yeah, but like so is everybody else. Um, like there's a lot that was kind of thrown by the wayside in order for the kind of newer versions to come forward and it's just like they just had a bee in their bonnet about the gay stuff and kept it well in that's there. the thing is like all these other all these other sins that we're talking about these quote-unquote sins no eating yeah. shellfish no like pork yeah. no uh, eating animals that either have cloven feet or mm. chew the cud i can't remember which one it is but basically they're all all in the kind of same sphere of sin but people who want to shame and exclude queer people, forget all of them, mm. and they just hold on to this one about homosexuality. They put more meaning on that they one. They put only meaning on that one, yeah. let's yeah. say. Or maybe maybe there's also a bit of an ickiness around tattoos, yeah. but it's homosexuality that they cannot abide. Yeah, People aren't protesting against the, you know people branding their bodies with, with artwork and, and tattoos and ink and no, exactly. in the same way that they are the gays still. The gays, and it's also someone was I was talking to to a friend of ours about it who also has experience with being shamed for their sexuality by um, Christian friends, and they were explaining to me that that one yes all those kind of what seem very trivial sins are are ignored now apart from homosexuality. Mm. The reason being Jesus basically died on the cross for our sins and meant that we no longer had to adhere to these uh, very controlling restrictions of the old testament that Uh were meant to uh make us holy again because of our original sin you know doing all these things not wearing mixed fabrics not eating pork we're supposed to cleanse our sin yeah yeah and homosexuality is lumped in with that but then jesus and he took took a fall for all of us he he really did (laughs) and then jesus and paul talk about i think it's jesus and paul it might just be paul um, talk about the specific sanctity of marriage mm. and that sanctity of marriage feeds very much into what you were talking about about the the, the um, traditional family values mm. and so then people bring that round again to be home to be about homosexuality yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they bring they dredge this one back up yeah they and like it yes misses. it's also about yeah. like adultery and it's about like i don't know don't look at anybody else and you're technically married to, to the church or to jesus and yeah. not really to your partner and all this sort of thing but it's the homosexuality that people really really focus in on as something they can control in other people rather mm-hmm. than helping mm-hmm. people like with sex addiction rather yeah. than helping people with like love addiction it's it's that yeah that they focus yeah, yeah, in yeah. on because they say it's about the sanctity of marriage but if it really was, they would address all these other things too. Exactly. So, that's it. Those are the parts which talk about homosexuality. There are those six passages with homosexuality. There are many, many, many more references in the Bible to loving your neighbour, mm-hmm. okay, not judging other people, take the plank out of your own eye before addressing the splinter in uh, your neighbours, let he who is out without sin cast the first stone, judge not lest ye be judged, and so on mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth other people's lives are not your business yeah. address yourself and address your own sin first that is what the message is and yet there is all this turning outwards to us a community yeah. that has had so much hurt and so much damage mm-hmm. and so much rejection yeah. and just continuing that and actually i think that's all bullshit i think that if the 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 christian god as described if jesus as described exists did exist whatever if the entity the canon person mm. were to i don't know have a view it would not be of hate yeah that is the whole point is not to hate and it is to love and care yeah. for your neighbor and therefore all these hateful interpretations of the bible are wrong yeah they're going against that one yeah the one overarching like yeah. i said big picture guys don't love, hate on don't anyone. hate no hate 
and that's mm. kind of yeah that's what i wanted to talk about today thank about you love. yay i just think that people need to step back and actually think about where is this where is the hate coming from yeah it's coming from inside and you should address that it's not it's not a decree yeah yeah and that's that no more promises broken Yes, exactly. <laughs> Piggy promises forever. <laughs> Thank you. That was really that was that was brilliant and really well researched. And it's a it is a tricky uh, topic to uh, to approach. And I think you did a very good a very good yeah. job. Um, but yeah, so I think that's probably Thank where you I'm going very to be today. Thank you very much for listening to uh, my ramblings and Daisy's very deep and well researched. We were also piece. I was also rambling. Um, where can they find us, Hannah? They can find us at Radio Zaddy, X-A-D-D-Y for Zaddy, on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. We have an Anchor FM site that will also link you to all the pages that we're hosted on, including like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that sort of thing, if you're yep. interested. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. I've been Hannah Bestwick, and with me as always... Daisy Thurston-Gent. Thank you very Take much, care. guys. Goodbye. Bye.